and welcome to Congregation Harshala in Fort Collins, Colorado. And maybe you can see us. I think I, I'm, I think I'm in the picture. I'm Rabbi Ben. Oh wait, it's not on yet. Here oh. we go. Three, two, one. <laughs> there we go. Okay. Welcome to Congregation Harshalom, where we're about to have a discussion on Jewish justice and gender. I'm Rabbi Ben. I'm the rabbi of Congregation Harshalom, along with my wife, Shoshana Lise. And here's Tracy Meisinger. You want to say what your qualification is? I there? have um, a master's in marriage and family counseling, and I'm working on my certification in sexuality counseling. Very good. So this is a class that I've wanted to teach for the entire seven years that I've been here, and I just never did it. So I'm happy to be doing it now. Um, I have a very personal and uh, deep interest in uh, issues of gender in Judaism, uh, which might come out somewhere along the way. Um, and. Uh, yeah, so I'm very excited to, to be doing this, and Tracy and I work very well together. Yes, we do. And that's why when I said, let's do this as a discussion, he was right on board with it. So feel free to stop us, ask questions. Um, there'll be some points where there will be an actual discussion point that we can all talk about. Uh, and to start off, before we get into the um, actual class, I want to make an announcement that we've heard that the, the military has, has uh, changed their policy on transgender soldiers today. Um, so they will no longer discharge you if you are a transgender soldier. We'll see how that plays out, but... Uh, yeah, it looks like they've got some kinks to work out, no pun intended, but they've got, <laughs> they've got some issues they've got to work through to figure out how to make that actually work, all the gears and wheels and make it all work out. That's a large part of why we decided to do this. Because um, we see a lot of uh, religiously driven um, bigotry that, you know, it's in the Bible, you can't be gay. It's in the Bible that um, this is a travesty or whatever. And it's used um, on the pulpit. Oops. <laughs> Excuse me. I have to take my writing notes. Um, on the pulpit. Oh, technology. They can be used on the pulpit to to beat people up and to make them feel ashamed of themselves and also as a result of that it puts people's lives in danger. And, and I'd like to just add that you know a lot of um, a lot of it is really uh, people's biases and bigotry, um, and they use the Bible or the Torah or religion in general to justify that. Um, and as a rabbi who studied rabbinic texts and Jewish texts, um, I'm I feel an obligation to speak out and say, that's actually not what my tradition teaches. Um, that's actually not historically how Jews have approached these sorts of issues. So, there we go. All right, so, 
Uh, and that gives me a kind of a segue into my next statement, which is that um, Judaism basically comes from rabbinic Judaism, right? The rabbis of uh, post-temple, post-second temple um, times uh, from like the first century to the eighth century um, who wrote the Talmud. Um, these rabbis uh, had a very wide view of, of gender. Um, before I get into that, though, I want to actually begin with a few def definitions. Um, so there's a distinction between sex and gender. Right? So sex is your biological sex that you're born with, right? Either, either you know, a penis or a vagina or um, whatever, or, or you might be born, born intersexed, which is, was, used to be called hermaph hermaphrodite, but uh, the term now is intersex that people use. Um, and so that's your sex. Your gender is sort of your inner um, sense of, not just your inner sense, but, but who you are in terms of behaviors um, and in terms of, um, do you want to add? Who you believe yourself to be. Who you believe yourself to be. How you see be. yourself in the world and how you see yourself relating to the world and the world relating to you. Right, and we'll talk a little bit later about sort of gender assumptions that people make about gender in our society. Um, which don't necessarily follow, like that, that they're not logical assumptions, but they're there, and we make these assumptions all the time. Um, and uh, we relate them to gender, but it's not necessarily anything innate about a gender. So, for example, um, Isaiah, we didn't cut his hair until he was three, as is the Jewish tradition. And we would get, oh, what a beautiful girl, a little girl, all the time. And that's an ingrained assumption in, 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 in us about gender. So that's gender versus sex. Um, and there's a little bit, uh, there's some terminology you can just keep in mind along the way. Um, we have packets with this stuff in it that we'll give you at the end. Um, but just some words that we might throw out while we're talking that you should know. Uh, F to M is a female to male uh, transgender person. Um, also called tra trans woman or transgender woman. Um, your gender expression is how you express your gender. Um, sexual orientation, right? You can be homosexual, heterosexual, bisexual, pansexual. Some people like to just call themselves queer. Um, asexual. Asex there's, and there's many more. Than Multiple. Yeah, yeah. Different sexual orientations. Um, then there's intersex, which is uh, hermaphrodite traditionally called hermaphrodite, right, where you have both, sorry, yes. Or it could be just um, when you're born that the, the, the genitals are not clear. Right. They're not really sure. And so traditionally what doctors have done is decide for you. This child has a long labia, must be a boy, let's do something about that. Or this child has a long labia that it really ought to be shorter, so we'll cut that off. I had, a, um, I had a friend uh, 10, 12 years ago uh, who was a very masculine looking woman um, and she, had, she got a kidney injury and they did an x-ray and they said, you know you have testes inside and not, and not ovaries. And so they 
said, you're actually intersexed. And she said, she said, okay, what do I do? And they said, well, you, we can't, we're not allowed to give you a, gen, uh, a uh, hormone cocktail of different hormones. You have to either decide to take testosterone or estrogen, and you have to choose a sex to be. Uh, and she chose to be male in the end. Um, but, you know, the, it, so, the, so the intersex people are seen in our, our culture as being real anomalies, and not only that, they're, they're put into one category or the other category. Right. They're forced into it, more or less. Traditionally have been. It's changing a little bit now. There's a, a big story that was in the news years ago about um, twins that were born, and when they were doing the circumcision on the boy, they messed it up, so they made him a girl and raised him as a girl. And a psychologist, no, psychiatrist, tracked him all the way through, called, called her um, baby X or some name, I can't remember the name right now. And when the child got old enough, was just like, I don't, I don't want to be a girl. I don't want to wear dresses. This isn't who I am. And mm. the parents told her, well, actually, you were born a boy, and this happened, and so we raised you as a girl. So she transitioned back to a man. But in all of this, and this was 20-some years ago, um, the stigma was so high that this had been in psychological journal journals her whole entire life, his whole entire life. Um, he ended up killing himself. Oy. Yeah. And that's what happens a lot. So uh, then there's transgender, which is kind of a blanket term for people, somebody who, who's gender or, or sexual identity doesn't fit into normative, uh, you know, uh, bi binary. Um, and then there's the word gender identity, you can identify as female, gender queer, trans, bi-gender, two-spirit, there's so many. You know, you can go online and look at, at some of the different gender identities that have emerged actually even yeah. in the last 10, 20 years. Queer is another kind of blanket term for, for um, I guess somebody who doesn't really... Non-conforming. Yeah, yeah, gender non-conforming person. Your biological sex, I kind of touched on that before, right? Um, male, female, lots of different kinds of intersexed people. Um, gender non-conforming, that might just be somebody who doesn't conform to the expectations of their gender, you know, that, uh, and we'll get into that with some of the gender assumptions that people make later. Um, and then gender queer. Queer, can, queer up there can also refer to sex. Right. So that's true. Um, I think that's the difference between them too. And then, and then there's uh, M to F, which is a male to female, also called a transgender man or a trans man. Um, and there, there are more definitions too. Like a transsexual is somebody who's actually gone through. An operation. Somebody who's transgender, as I said, it's a blanket term, so it can refer to somebody who, you know, just doesn't line. feel particularly ma masculine, but are, is born as a man. You know. Um, okay. Any questions about the def these definitions and terms before we move on to the sort of rabbinic view? All right. So, according to the rabbis, who I mentioned. Uh, there are actually six distinct genders. Um, in terms of the terms I just used, they should actually be called six distinct sexes. Um, 
not distinct genders. Um, but uh, here, the, so I'm going to go through them now. So the first one, standard, Zachar. Uh, this is uh, a term derived from the word for a pointy sword <laughs> and refers also, it kind of might be referring to the phallus and is translated as male generally in English. Nekeva, female, uh, term derived from the word for a crevice probably refers to the vaginal opening, usually translated as female in English. Okay, now we're getting, get a little different. The androgynous uh, is a person who has both male and female sexual characteristics. Um, in the Mishnah and the Talmud, which are the two main rabbinic writings, uh, they are referred to approximately 100, well, I guess, I guess exactly 149 times. Um, and, the, and within the packets that we give you to take home, there's a, uh, there's a text from Masechet um, Bikurim uh, about what you do with, when you have an androgynous person in terms of Jewish law, halacha. I mean, that's, ma that's mainly what many of these discussions are about, is you know, if you have this person that's not conforming to either a male sex or a female sex, how do you treat them? You know, do they follow male halacha? Do they follow female halacha? Do they, you know, uh, who, who can they have sex with, right? If, if, if um, male, male sex is prohibited, can they, can an androgynous have sex with a man? Um, these kinds of issues. Somebody had a question? Yeah, so I have a question. So androgynous, Greek. yeah, exactly. So then does that mean there was, we can't identify what word was used before the Greek? Well, there's another word. All right, so, so this is a person who has both male and female sexual characteristics, and, uh, and it's in a specific, there's a specific, um, uh, so they have to like specifically see both the male and the female. But then the next one is called a tuntun, and that's from Hebrew. Um, and that's a person whose sexual characteristics are indeterminate, like my friend, like the like the woman who discovered that she had testes inside, right? That they couldn't really see that, um, or maybe that, or maybe their 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 genitalia are not clear, right? So the so the androgynous the genders are both there, right? You'll see a penis and a vagina. Uh, a tumtum, it's unclear. Their their sexual characteristics are not clear necessarily. People can under, understand that. Right, um, so it's interesting. Yeah, that's a that's a um, it's a Greek word. But the rabbis, the rabbis um, drew a lot from Greek thought. You know, I mean, this was it, it, there are many terms that are Greek terms. You know, it, you know, it's funny we we take on Hebrew names, for example. There are rabbis. There was a rabbi named Alexandri. You know, there there's. Um, rabbis named after um, Greek names, um, so they were really entrenched in, in Greek culture. Um, so, and I think part of the part of the reason that they were able to have kind of such a, a much wider view of things like sex and gender and other things is because of that their exposure to Greek culture. Um, you know, if you look at the Torah itself, you know, Torah says male and female, God created them. You know. Male and female. It doesn't say and androgynous and tum tum, right? The, the, the rabbis were able to kind of 
bring it to the next level. And actually, they, I'm going to show that there's a commentary, a midrash, where they look at the text of the Torah and they interpret it as referring to transgender, or to androgynous in particular. So let's move forward. Um, okay. So an ilonit. <clears throat> an ilonit is a person who's identified as female, woman, but develops some male characteristics at puberty, like, like body hair, uh, and isn't able to have a child, is infertile, um, and might not develop any female self, secondary sexual char sex characteristics, like breasts or whatever. Um, there are about 80 references in the Mishnah and Talmud to, to the Ilonit, uh, and 40 in classical Midrash in Jewish law codes. Um, and you could anticipate how this would be an issue for the rabbis. Uh, one of the big issues is, right, you're supposed to be fruitful and multiply, right? And let's say a man marries somebody, this woman, her, you know, she's 12 years old. Okay, they married 12 years old back then, right? So, and, and then she doesn't end up developing sec secondary sex characteristics. So then they say, well, what's the right of this man, right? You know, can he divorce her? because she's not able to produce a child for him? And I think in the end they say yes. Um, but, but, you know, those are the kinds of issues that they deal with, right? They, they, they recognize that people don't conform to, to male or female sex all the time. So it sounds like the Ilonit and the Tum Tum, the difference is, is that one, because there was uncertainty, but one is that there is uncertainty, and the other is there's uncertainty, but they make a choice, oh, Crap, it's the wrong choice. I don't think it's a choice. I think it becomes apparent later. Right, right. It becomes, like, the, the uncertainty becomes. becomes right. they think no, not even a decision. A decision. Yeah. No, it's not a decision. It's biological. So when you hit puberty, like they, like it's a girl, but they don't right. get their period, and then they start developing male secondary, secondary sex yeah. So then it's like, oh, this whole time we thought this was, you know, it was a girl, but it's actually a man or, or something. Not, or intersex. not man. Like it's, right. it's right. right. Something, right. something not either. Right. You know. Right. And what it is is they've defined it is right. ilonit. Right. And and you know I don't know what this refers. I'm sure that there this refers to an actual reality of a certain yeah. kind of person that doesn't, you know. Oh yeah, there's certainly yeah. people who there that this happens to. All right. So then there is the saris. The saris is. Um, a person who is identified as male at birth but develops female characteristics at, at puberty and or is lacking a penis. So uh, saris can be naturally a saris, right, like they don't have, or they can become one, and this is somebody who's, who's uh, like a, a eunuch, right? This is, saris is generally the translation for the word eunuch. Um, but what they recognize is that, that um, you know, it's not just, a, that you have your penis cut off that you're a eunuch, but it's actually also um, sometimes a natural state that you're a eunuch. Um, and again, 156 references in Mishnah and Talmud, 379 in classical Midrash and Jewish law codes. All these numbers of references, it's like, gee, what were they telling us all those years? <laughs> right. And and and, and like in school, like when yeah. you learn the midrash, yeah, like I never learned that. 
a right. and, and I think that it was like left out. That wasn't on the right. same list. <laughs> no, that, right. And, and I mean, are there sections devoted to it or is it just kind of like interspersed? It's interspersed. Okay. Yeah. It's not like they would have tractate Androgynous or something uh -huh. like that. But within tractate Bikurim, they have a whole discussion about Androgynous. Right? And so, we'll get to some of those. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's 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 unbelievable, and and part of, and this is referring back to part of that first slide where it said about bigotry wrapped in a in a prayer shawl, you know, or, or in prayer. I think right. it's a, the Jewish version would be in a prayer shawl, oh, probably, yeah. um, which is the whole transgender thing in itself. Yeah. But um, yeah. so, so right, if you if you look if you look at the actual sources and you see the diversity of of recognition of different kinds of sexes and genders on the rabbi's part how could you how could you how could you argue for this gender binary that they, that people are arguing for today it's just bigotry but isn't it a little bit different because to me i look at these definitions and to me they're medical in nature it's like someone is born this way and does mm -hmm. not have control over it and even now there are people born like it, it's this has been going on for centuries and right. thousands of years so to me, it's just the rabbis addressing like a legitimate thing that happens. Like, oh right. crap! Like, yeah. what do we do in this situation? Right. But it's it feels different to me than people like now, um, where like it's not necessarily medical. Like, it can't be like proven that it's medical. Like, if you're if you're gay, you know, like a lot of people feel like it's not a choice. But the idea is that that it, it that it's it, it's a choice you're making. Like, you're choosing to have sex with someone of the same gender as you. I mean, do you see what the difference, it's like, I can see how it becomes, um, how, it, how, how it becomes like filled with hate or whatever, because it, it can be construed as a choice, but for, for all of these issues, it's like, it, it's a medical thing. And it is a medical thing, and there is good science behind it, and there is biological science and evidence behind it. People choose not to look at it because they're so busy wrapping it in prayer. But I'm saying back in the day, like right. they didn't think of it as a choice, like or, or they thought of it as a choice. They didn't think like they didn't have right. And, and, and I mean, this is a right. This is a big argument in our public discourse, right? That right, is being gay a choice? You mm -hmm. know, right? If, if you're if you're anti-gay, you're going to say yeah, it's a cho choice. If if you're gay, you're going to say no, it's not a choice. It's who I am, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's part of my identity. Now. Maybe for a bisexual person, it's a choice, right? If you're attracted to both, there is a certain ma matter of choice there. Um, but it's interesting, it's an interesting question. I've actually seen some studies that talk about um, the, um, the hormones that are released in utero and how that affects the, 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 uh, the brain and how uh, uh, it can actually make somebody come out and feel like they're in the wrong sex or they're wrong wrong sex yeah um and so there is a biological basis to it there, but we don't we don't have the science now i mean we're not quite there yet not Maybe quite there yet no and we have some stuff that we can't replicate like during world war ii there was an inordinate amount of gay gay babies were born people grew up gay and they linked it the correlation was trauma mm -hmm. that if the mother undergoes stress and trauma that that might have something to do with the biology of the way the baby's developing they can't replicate that. They noticed it after, like 20 years after World War II, so they noticed that there were a lot more gay people. 
And, and 20 years after World War II, culture started to change too. Right, right, right. Which is why they can't. It's just a correlation, and they can't duplicate. And you can't duplicate that. You can't go around traumatizing mothers and seeing what happens. Yeah. So, so I, I want to skip ahead for a second because I think this is relevant here. Um, so I have some more midrash from the rabbis about androgynous those things, but I wanted to point this out, which brings in kind of a different a different perspective. This is a Kabbalistic text, um, which I, we can get more into this later. It's, right, the rabbis were dealing with law, right? So for them, like, if something didn't like, fit into the categories, right. they needed to figure out how to, yes. where to put it. So this, the Kabbalists, like Chaim Vital from the 16th century, deal with kind of metaphysics, right? Um, and so there's a book called Sha'ar HaGilgulim from Chaim Vital, which is uh, the Gate of Reincarnation, and it's all about reincarnation and how human beings can be reincarnated. And within this, uh, uh, chapter 9, verse 2, it says, sometimes a man may reincarnate into the body of a woman. And they say, because of a sin, <laughs> this woman who has received the soul of a man will not be able to conceive and become pregnant. Right? So that there's, that there's a certain understanding on the part of the rabbis. Yes, it's you know sexual sins and it's complicated, but there was an understanding that, that, and it's not widely held, like, but that there's a gender to the soul, um, and that the soul could be born into the wrong gendered body. But I'm reading that, and I disagree, because it's like, because <laughs> what they're talking about is conceiving and becoming pregnant, which is biological and sex-based, not mm -hmm. gender-based. So mm -hmm. that's not how I read that. How do you read that? I read that again. It's like technical, like that there are that there are. I don't know. I mean that, that maybe maybe they um, you know. Ha, I, I don't know. That's not how I read it. I just feel like it, it. It's talking since it's talking about conception and pregnancy instead of like how someone acts or presents themselves, like their gender right. performance. And it's also talking about souls. Right. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, the part about the soul of a man makes me kind of wonder what that means. But well, and that, I mean, that begs a big question that we could discuss probably for hours. Is the, is does soul the gender? soul have a gender? Right. And if that is, what is, what is it, you know? Yeah. And, and, and in, in the Zohar, yeah. <laughs> in the Zohar, for example, the, the, the 12th century Kabbalistic text, it's the, the soul is always referred to as female. All souls are female because they're in relation to God, they're coming down from God, and they're receiving, right? And for them, gender was about receiving and giving, mm -hmm. right? That, that female receives, male gives. Um, and so they said all souls are female. Um, I don't know. But it's, a, it's, an, it's an interesting question, you know? And let me go back to uh, this. Okay, so this so is... Wait, for those all the different <coughs> sexes. Those were all the, the different sexes that are discussed in rabbinic literature. Uh, were there six? Oh, men, men and women. Yeah. Men yeah. and women. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Four it. plus two. Got it. We did the same thing when we were putting these together. We're like, wait, <laughs> Eight, okay, six, got yeah, it. Right. Man, man and women. <laughs> Male and female. Whose translation was Vital? Who, who translated that Vital? Yeah. Uh, we're Chabad. <laughs> Interesting. Right. Because the man, can, can you go back to it for a second? Sure. 
a man may reincarnate into the body of a woman who receives the soul of a man. The body already exists. Oh, that's an interesting idea. Like it happens. Right after. after it's a right. It's talk, to me. It talks about walking, not what we think of as reincarnation. Right. Like an ebor. So the puberty thing. Or so. a, or a dibic or something. You know, a, a, a soul that comes down and and. That's and the bad woman will not be able to conceive or become pregnant because she has, I'll say, overtaken, although that's not the right word at all, the soul of the Except for the word is reincarnate. Yes, the man may reincarnate, but the body of the woman already exists. Interesting. All right, let's go back. I shouldn't have skipped ahead. So, but it's, so those are the six sexes. This is uh, from Leviticus Rabbah, very famous midrash. Uh, at the time that the Holy One, blessed be he, created man, he created him an androgynous. Vishlakish said that at the time that Adam was created, he, gave, he, made, made, he was made with two faces, and God sliced him and gave him two backs, a female one and a male one, as it says, and he took from his sides, as it said, and to the side of the tabernacle. Oh, that gets into the whole seven stages Back-to-back relationships and mm-hmm. right, and, and also Plato and also and also Plato's idea of of uh, soulmate, mm-hmm. right? That 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 you know the, that you had this up in heavens, your souls were one. You know, you and your person you were going to find someday, male and female. And then when it and came down to the earth, it split into two bodies. Actually, actually, that is in Kabbalistic literature too. That idea of of the souls being together. And, and then, then splitting. Nesira, I thought it was, isn't it Nesira? Mm-hmm. It's not like splitting, it's like, whoosh, yeah. kind of thing. It's like a cut in half. Yeah. yeah. Uh, right, and, and, then it, and then you get into the whole thing about the cherubim, whether they're facing you, right? There's a whole thing about, you know, when, when things are going good, the cherubim are facing each other. And when they're going bad, the cherubim are facing away from each other. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's an interesting, it's an interesting idea here. Oh, yeah, we've been struggling with duality all along. All yeah. And here's another example of the same, it's the same midrash. You formed me before and behind. When the Holy One Blessed Be, he created the first Adam. He created it with both male and female sexual organs. As is written, male and female, he created them, and he called their name Adam. Rabbi Shmuel Bar Nachmani said, when the Holy One Blessed Be, he created the first Adam, he created him with two faces, then split him and made two backs, a back for each side. So... The first human being was androgynous. It was intersexed. So this is one that I wasn't aware of until I started doing research for this class. Uh, this is from the Talmud, Yevamot 64a. Rabbi Ami stated, Abraham and Sarah were originally of doubtful sex. And the word they use is tumtum, right? Which is one of the, one of the intersexed definitions. For it is said, look unto the rock once you were hewn, into the hole of the pit once you were digged. And this is followed by the text, look unto your father and unto Sarah that bore you. Okay, and this is from Maimonides, and I think this is actually relevant uh, to um, the bathroom discussion, which is, I, it's so, I feel ridiculous saying that that's even something that our, that our country is grappling with as a political issue, you know, 
whether people who are transgender can use the bathroom of the gender that they feel comfortable with. But my, if you ask Maimonides, he would probably agree that you should be able to use whatever bathroom you want because he says, yet in discussing the prohibition against Yehud, all of the major halachic codes rule that someone whose gender identity doesn't fall into the male-female binary may be alone with men or with women without fear of any punishment. Whoa, what's Yehud? Yehud means uh, union, like coming together. It's, it, oh, okay. but, it's, uh, but Yehud means basically being alone in the same room with somebody of the opposite sex. Okay. All right, so, so even today in, mod in Orthodox circles, a woman is not supposed to be alone with a man right. who's not her husband in a room. Um, and so what he's saying is if, if uh, it's interesting they translate it as gender identity because I think it's it probably, maybe sex, sex should, would be more accurate. Um, because he's referring to the tum-tum and the androgynous and all of these and saying basically if they don't fall into that, they can be alone with either men or women without any fear of punishment. So there you go. Any fear of punishment from whom? From the community, from rabbis, from, yeah. All right, this one we just did. All right, so I think now I am handing it over to you. Then I need the, yes. I need my cheat sheet. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to start with a little bit um, with some more definitions, because we all love those, and talk about privilege and trauma. And when I'm talking about privilege, it's not in a way that's shaming. I don't mean to shame anybody. I'm not trying to say, man, you're privileged, you ought to get off your high horse. I'm trying to say that if you're aware of this, then you can help people. As long as you're aware of the things that you can, can and cannot do, like go to the bathroom, then when you see someone struggling, you can be someone who can help them when they're being persecuted or shoot away from the bathroom or whatever. So privilege encompasses those rights that can be taken for granted without a second thought by a person. So an example I have of this is I bought a bag at Sierra Trading Post. And I got it home, and it still had that security tag on it. So I took it back, and I had my receipt. I took it back with my receipt, and I took it back, and I said, I bought this, and it has a security tag on it. She's like, OK, give it to me. She didn't ask for my receipt. She didn't ask me for anything. And I thought, there are a whole lot of people in the world that if they walked in there with just this and not a receipt, that they would get a lot of slack for not having the receipt, they would be assumed that they were stealing it. So I had the privilege of walking in there as a white woman and saying, hey, here's a security tag, and she didn't need any proof from me whatsoever. Um, so trauma then is defined, is defined by the person who's suffering trauma, and it's different from PTSD. PTSD is a completely different set of diagnostic criteria where you actually have to experience a near-death type situation or witness a near-death type situation. Trauma is defined by the person suffering from it. It can be humiliation, it can be fear, it can be verbal or physical assault, and then, um, the, then they have a heightened sense of awareness and a heightened sense of stress and more stress hormones in their bodies because they're constantly on the lookout for being called names, for being shooed out of. There was a woman who was pulled out of a, a 
women's room at a store, Kmart, I think. She was yanked out of there and beaten up because the guy thought she looked too masculine to be in the women's room. And so he beat her up and she landed in the hospital. That's trauma. And that's what a lot of LGBTQ people suffer from all the time because they never know when it's going to happen again or happen in the first place. So I wanted to look at some of the issues aside from the bathroom. Um, and one of them was birth certificates. And this was brought to my attention by the, um, one of the directors of Al Boulder that they went to the Colorado State House and tried to implement a bill on birth certificates that would make it easier for birth certificates to be changed without going in front of the judge. They had done tons of research and tons of studies on this. It was going to be cheaper for the state. It was going to save judges money. It was going to be easier on lawyers. It was going to be faster for the people applying for it. Lawyers stood up, judges stood up, everybody stood up and spoke at the house and it was turned down, twice. And the reason they gave was we don't have enough evidence yet to prove the transgender is something that's real. Yeah, yeah, so we can't prove that this is real. So we're not going to, even though it's gonna save the state money, it's gonna save judges time, it's gonna keep the courtrooms clear, we're not gonna vote on it. And it, I don't know about the DSM-5, but the DSM-4 listed um, somebody who's transsexual, transgender as, as a, a mental disorder. Right. And they changed that in the DSM-5. Did they? Good. Yes, they did. And what they did was it's only if it's impairing like your daily functioning. So if you, and, <laughs> so that kind of goes back and forth because then your, your daily functioning is impaired if you're being discriminated against all the time, constantly, nonstop. That's going to impair you. You can't get a job. You may not be able to get housing. There are going to be problems. But they're looking, they just turned it a little bit so that, it's not being transgender. And it's not being transgender that makes you suicidal, it's the way you're treated that makes transgender people be suicidal. So um, this did pass in the House overwhelmingly, but it was stalled in the Senate. And it was the, um, in the Committee on Senate, on State Veterans and Military Affairs that they decided to postpone it indefinitely. So then we go back to the bathrooms. Um, this third one, yeah. Yeah, and like I said, it's continued calls to violence. Um, there was somebody, there was a video of a guy, another minister somewhere who was saying that people should protest by soiling themselves in public rather than use bathrooms with a trans person. Um, I was asking friends of mine, like, how would people know that you're trans? And for the trans women, it's that if they're standing up, then it's louder when they pee. So I went and like I went to a public restroom the next time I was in a public, I was like listening, <laughs> and it was too loud. I mean, people were flushing and washing hands, and I don't know how they would tell that. I guess your feet would be in the wrong direction. Why people are spending time paying attention to that instead of just going to the bathroom and washing their hands and leaving? I don't know. Um, but because the bathroom issue is on the forefront in the news when it comes to trans issues, 
then we're not looking at violence against innocent people in other situations, and we're distracted from the real issues. We're distracted from poverty, the wars. We're distracted from the disabled veteran fiasco um, and the, um, yeah, the hospital down in Denver that's not getting built. And all gun regulation and racial tensions, all of that is going by the wayside when they make this into a huge issue. Yeah, and, if it's, and if it's about sexual predators, we're, it's a distraction from actual sexual predators. Right. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and, and the rape culture that exists on college campuses and, uh, you know. Untested rape kits. Yeah. Yes, all of all that. All of that. All of it, yeah. Okay. So I was gonna do a little history lesson. So when I first became involved in the LGBTQ movement, it was the gay rights movement. Um, and then it was the gay and lesbian rights movement, and then it was the LGB movement because um, there was a big push for the lesbian initial to be first. And then when I was in college, there was a discussion, do we include the T? Do we want the T to be part of us? Is this part of our community? Is this not part of our community? And there's been an underlying prejudice from within the community against trans people. So trans people are not just facing discrimination from the main culture, the dominant culture, they're also experiencing discrimination from within the LGBT community, which obviously it obviously got added in and then a Q and then a, a, two Qs and two As. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> lesbian, gay, bi, trans, queer, uh, questioning, androgynous, and asexual. And there's more than that, but. Right, so even in the, even in the um, gay, gay lesbian community, there's a bias against trans people. But I mean, back in the 60s, when the women's movement was right. getting, attempting to get itself together, there, it, it was a big deal about should we deal with lesbian rights right. or not? And it was like, no, 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 no. It's no. going to make it too complex. We've got enough to deal with. Right. right. And we don't want you to soil our movement. Right. We don't want you to mess us up. But even more than that, like there, uh, the Michigan Women's Festival for years would only let women-born women into the music festival. They wouldn't let trans women into the music festival to be to. So it's not just working for their rights, right? It's also, there's active discrimination against, uh, against trans people. Right, and the last time I checked, I, so I went to school at Hampshire and there were five colleges, two of them were women's colleges, Smith and Mount Holyoke. And the last time I checked, Mount Holyoke was accepting trans women, Smith will not. Which hmm. I thought was really interesting because Smith is where I met Audre Lorde. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the human rights campaign has focused pretty exclusively on gay and lesbian rights and marriage equality, and that's been a big push for them. And they have ignored a lot of trans rights regarding employment and the military and other areas where trans folks are unprotected, including hate crimes. There's still a lot of states where trans folks are not protected. Colorado, thankfully, is not one of them. But if you, I mean, in 2015, 
there were there was a trans woman of color killed, murdered every single week, every single week in this country. And that's when I stopped counting. Um, and the, the human rights campaign is, is not there for them and not legally supporting them. Um, so again, being transgender does not increase or cause suicidality. It's living in a world that's unwelcoming, threatening, isolating, won't give them jobs, won't let them live next door, etc. So these are some questions that Rabbi Ben found <laughs> that um, are discussion points. So what are the expectations if you say, I like sports, I like to watch the Broncos on Sunday. I am really into the Broncos. I get a bunch of people over and we have some chips and some beers and yeah, I like to fix things. I want to make parenting a priority. I like to be well-groomed. I've been told not to cry. I've been told I'm too bossy. So implicit in these things are, as we look at them, are the assumptions behind them. So it's not just that they're being said, it's not just that they're out there, it's that even when we're thinking about them, we're putting them into categories in our own minds. We see these things and they, they fall pretty binary for the most part. And these are, I wanna add, these are assumptions that, that might even be unconscious assumptions that we have about people. Right. Oh, person likes to like sports, likes to fix things, must be a man. They like sports and like to fix things, and they're well groomed. Ah, must be a gay man. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, so. So, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that we carry around many, so many more than these, but m many, many assumptions about gender about people's gender uh, based on their behavior. Who they can be, what they can be, what they can do, what we can do within that. So the next thing is yeah. a case scenario. So you're at work and you answer the phone. The person on the other end says, hi, my name is Anna, and I prefer the pro pronouns she and her. Anna makes some inquiries and you ask her questions. At the end of the conversation, you say, have a nice day, sir. At which point, Anna yells at you to cancel the appointment. She won't be coming to your office and you shouldn't bother trying to call back and she hangs up before you can apologize. This is a phone thing. So this is a phone thing. So you're hearing a deeper voice. What's your question? So the question is, what just happened? You didn't listen to what her preferences were. You didn't listen to what her preferences were. You probably are just going along, you know, like someone with a deep voice is typically a man. So when you're, that's how your brain is conditioned, you just fall into that pattern. Even if they just told you not to do that, it like slips out. Right. I mean, it's a mistake. I don't think, I don't think this person necessarily did it on purpose. I think they're, it just came out. Right. She states that her name is Anna. So why wouldn't the person Emma 
But you're not hearing Anna, Anna, Anna every time they talk. You're hearing just a teenage voice. voice. Like it doesn't, you know what I mean? You're hearing basically a, a ma like a male voice. So even though she identifies as female, you're not identifying her as female. You're identifying her as male in your brain, which totally makes sense because that's the sound you're hearing. Okay, so you just got at the heart of it. How many times a day do you think Anna hears that? A lot. So do you think Anna's maybe a little justified in being some pretty pissed off at the end of the day making this phone call? Yeah, I guess. I mean, I don't know. The term microaggression, like, it, I just, it, it unsettles me a little bit. Okay, so I, it's just a term. So right. we can ignore the yeah. term. Look at the sure. situation. <laughs> Look at the situation. This person is being constantly... Yeah, I would imagine that's really difficult, for sure. And meanwhile, I, I would say you, you can't necessarily blame the person who oh, said, no. sir, right. 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 I, I mean, back what, to you, this. what you can do differently, you could you could call them back and be like, you know, I I, I apologize or I'm so, sorry. If you so had in addition to not listening to the he, the she, her, you would also not listen to the <laughs> don't call me back. Oh, sorry, I missed that part. <laughs> but but um, you know, I I think what you're saying is right on that that it's and that's what I was trying to say by this slide that there are these things that are ingrained in our brains, you know, like ways of, you know, it, it might be the same thing with, you know, a, a young child with long hair, you know, that over right. and over and over again, you might, I might say, this is my son, Isaiah. But people are going but then to see. She, but somehow in their sense. brain, they like, see somebody with long hair, and then, the, oh, yeah, like, then they refer to him as a girl. It would be so tiring again. if every single day you had to reevaluate every single thing that was happening. Like, oh, a deep voice is a man. If every single day you had to come to that conclusion anew, and you couldn't make that generalization ever, like, that would be exhausting. Like, that's not how, like, you can't function. You have, you have to make generalizations. No, I don't think so. You don't think so about like think like the color red like I, I or like what a dog neutral, looks like like this is a dog. Space. There's a neutral space. There's a neutral space because there are things that hurt people. Sure. And I and I think well you know I think the, what I what I try to do is have something where you know I leave room for whatever their reality is. So what can so you do I, differently? So I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't genderize anything. If I thought, oh my God, they say they're Anna. I'm hearing heavy, you know, deep voice. I don't know. I, you know, have a great day, Anna. Well, that's for sure. I'm sorry. Only because I have, I have, I can't tell you. You know, lesbians go through this all the time. You know, the darker we look, then then what happens is that, you know, you get to a point where every store that you go into, and it doesn't matter how quiet, how soft, how high your voice is, you know, if you look like a man to somebody, they're going to say, thank you, sir. And it happens every single place you go, all day, every single day. Do you think that they're trying to directly insult that person, or do you think they're just not really seeing what's in front of them? Right, I think, I that, think that's kind of what it is. I mean, right. in this what conversation is either way, I receive it as another. Absolutely, I, I agree. I think it would be yeah. exhausting if every single day that's how you had to interact with people. Like you were being constantly like misunderstood for something else. 
It's like racism too, you know, mm-hmm. that, that when you see the color of somebody's skin, you make like these unconscious yeah. assumptions and stereotypes about people. Well, okay, so if I were the person on the other end, and I heard someone say, hi, my name is Anna, and I prefer the pronouns she and her. Well then, like signals would go off in her yeah. brain. Yeah, as opposed to, hi, my name is Anna. I, I think you're right, and I think what, what, what needs to happen is people just need to be made more aware. Like, oh, there are transgender people who live on this earth, and you may run across them someday, and this is how, you know, folk, like that experience, if you're aware that it may happen, then you're less likely to make this, what I, in my opinion, is kind of like an honest mistake. Like, it's, it's a mistake made out of not being exposed. Like, you know, so you can't really fault people necessarily if it's just from like a lack of exposure. I can fault all of you now though. <laughs> sure, I actually did I actually did this. Like, I, I worked at the ACLU in, in college and I got a phone call and it was a, a woman, but her voice was really deep. And at the end of the conversation I said, you know, thank you sir for calling. And I could tell in her voice, like she was like, you know, fuck you. <laughs> I was like, yeah. darn it, I really screwed that up. Um, it, you know, it happens. And then they don't get the help that they need. Right. And whatever, you know, whether it's, you know, do you have this at your grocery store or I'm coming in for a checkup or whatever it is. And, and I, I, I think it's also a problem with our language. We don't have the language <laughs> for transgender pronouns. I mean, mm-hmm. we've developed it. There have been, you know, transgender theorists and people who have, you know, created <laughs> new, new pronouns, but they've not yeah. become mainstream. Right. And, and so, so you have to, if you're gonna use the English language, you're forced to put somebody in one category mm-hmm. or another category. Okay. There are languages, though, where they have transgender pronouns. Um, Marge Piercy invented transgender or non-gendered pronouns in um, Woman on the Edge of Time. Mm-hmm. We talked about that because we're both sci-fi geeks. <laughs> <laughs> So, so it can be done, or um, people are talking about using the um, singular there. They're going to the store. Just the person going to a store, or use their names. You know what, this, I just remembered this. I watched Please Don't Eat the Daisies with Doris Day. Yeah. I love, because I loved that movie when I was a kid. And they have a vet, the veterinarian comes to check on their dog. And the vet is androgynous. You can't tell if the vet is male or female. And one of the kids runs up and says, are you a boy or a girl? And the vet says, I'm a vet. <laughs> and that's it. They just move right on. It's that simple. Use the person's name. Have a nice day. Like you said, have a nice day, Anna. It's a, can I ask you a question? Uh-huh. So, so I've had the experience, even recently, I think a couple of weeks ago, where one of my children saw somebody and didn't know and said pretty loudly, is that a boy or a girl? There's a great YouTube by somebody who worked at the um, Walnut Cafe in Boulder mm-hmm. addressing that, where when she was waiting table, she got that question from kids all the time and she would get really angry. And then one day she just decided to deal with it differently. And I can't remember how she dealt with it differently. <laughs> um, but she used it as a teaching moment in a really gentle way. Mm-hmm. I'll try and find I, that. I think that's kind of what I was responding to with the word microaggression. And like you said, like this woman got really angry. Like to me, like, and I, I get it, I do understand that component, but I don't, when you, when it, 
when people, like, it's, you talk about a child, like, they're not doing it. They do not have malicious intent, right. in, in my opinion. So it's like, it should be a teachable moment. For but, a child. Sure, and I think for a lot of adults who have not, who don't know anyone who's transgender, who grow up in a society where it's labeled, uh, you know, like, basically, like, it's, it's like this freakish thing. It's so, a lot to expect out of people. It's a lot to expect out of the trans community to have to educate everyone they read and come into yeah. contact with. I don't know what happened to that just now. Oh, there's Beth. Yeah, so it's, I mean, and I think that's, I think that's why they feel like it's a microaggression because they feel like they're constantly having to teach all the time, every day, in every situation. Um, and they're expecting people to make them halfway at least. So my question, I, I, I think my, the thing I wonder is, if, if, it, if, if this asks for a bridge here, that Anna's saying she prefers the pronouns she and her, right? Uh, then if Anna was actually, um, you know, anatomically sex, or if her sex was female, even if her voice was whatever her voice was, would she have said that? Would she have said that, you know, from people always assuming that she must be maybe male if she's on the phone? Maybe. You know, would you don't know. So there's nothing that says that actually Anna is Right, exactly. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Just somebody with a deep voice. I, I'm just doing a flashback because I named my first child mid, first and middle names deliberately that it, they weren't male or female, you couldn't identify from the name. And that's why I ended up in the boys' gym, regardless of the fact that I had an F under my gender thing in seventh grade. And I had a friend in middle school named Kim, and Kim got invited to an all-girl sleepover, and Kim left early, we couldn't figure that out, but then the next year, Kim got in a fight in the boys' locker room. And I was like, oh, Kim's a boy. Yeah. Yeah. Next slide. Are we ready for the next slide? Yeah, next slide. So these are, this is from the Transgender Law Center. Wait. Um, the next two slides. Oops. There we go. So these are things, yeah, that they say, this is, this is how to behave. With, this is the education, so that when you go out in the world, these are the things you need to know. It is against the law to terminate or fail to hire someone because they're transgender. You cannot limit a transgender employee's interaction with customers because the customers not, might not feel comfortable with them. You cannot prohibit a transgender employee from dressing or appearing in accordance with their identity. And you cannot apply, suddenly randomly apply a dress code that would be stricter for that person than for another person. You can't deny a transgender woman access to the women's restroom or a transgender man to a men's restroom, nor can you require them to use a specified non-gendered bathroom. You cannot do that to someone. Um, you can't put them someplace else just because they're different. Where is this? Where? This is from the Transgender Law Center website. Is this national law that we're saying? Like, I think this is what they're suggesting. Oh, that's be. what they want. That and it is it in some places. Right now. It's not everywhere. Yeah. It's in some places. This is the goal. This is the the dream. 
So then the next page, um, for sex segregated jobs or tasks, you cannot require a transgender man to work as a woman or vice versa. And a transgender man who worked as a police officer, oh yeah, you can't have that, um, you can't make a transgender man frequently, you can't ask them to pat down a female suspect. In other words, you can't assume his pre-trans. Right, right. Um, Sad. Yes. Again, repeatedly calling a transgender person by the wrong pronouns or name. Asking inappropriate personal questions. So, have you had the surgery? What you got down there? None of anybody's business. Asking, uh, oh wait, outing a transgender person to others without permission. So, this is my trans friend. <laughs> no. <laughs> not cool. I don't think they would be friends. <laughs> no, not anymore, no. No, at, a, at an ethics committee meeting at the hospital, there was a discussion about this. I mean, it, it, it's a big medical ethics yes. issue because physiologically it matters what kinds of hormones are going through your body and how that impacts your medical treatment. Right, and where I work at Clearview Behavioral Health, we're now discussing, well, I was asking, when they opened the adolescent wing, I asked, because they're going to have a male wing and a female wing, where are you going to put the trans kids? Well, they're going to put them with what's on their birth certificate, but in their own room. Mm -hmm. And I was told that's Colorado law, which I'm going to have to look into. Um, let's see. Next page. Wait, I'm not, I'm not quite done. So, oh, requiring them to present a birth certificate in order to um, be hired. Having discriminatory exclusions for treatment related to transgender transition in an employee health plan. And Obamacare covered that too, so that's national now. Doctors can, and employers cannot discriminate, and um, doctors can't discriminate. When, or, yeah, employers when can't someone your health goes plan. either through an identity change or the actual medical stuff, is it hard to get your driver's license changed? It varies from state to state and city to city. So yeah, fun times. So let's get to the happier part. What can we do? <laughs> what can we do to support <coughs> other human beings? Um, so they face these challenges every day, all day long. Um, and we just talked about that a bunch of examples. So then, of course, I went right to Hillel because I love Hillel. <laughs> um, that which is, or to the Talmud, what, that which is hateful to you, don't do to your fellow. If you don't want to be treated like crap, don't treat other people like crap. If you want to have your name pronounced correctly, you can assume that other people want their name pronounced correctly and their pronouns used cor correctly, um, etc. Can I say that I think and this also could apply to the trans person who's having to face these things every day <coughs> to maybe have compassion or forgiveness or... And they probably do yeah. at the beginning of the day. <laughs> and by the end of the day, right. they're kind of done. Um, and then you wake up and you start all over again. Because it's, and that's because the, you know, they're the one that's always doing it for everybody mm -hmm. else. 
situation where it's only for the other people, it's just that one interaction. Right. Oh yeah, and then at the store, one interaction. Oh yeah, and then at the class, one right. interaction. Right. Yep. Next slide. Um, yes. Okay, so what can we do? So since this is about justice, Jewish justice, so some of it is just compassion for people. Don't ask questions. Um, if, they, if you are unsure about a person's pronouns, just use their name. Um, don't know their name, ask them their name. You can ask a name. <laughs> Everyone has a name. You can ask that, and then they can clarify if they want to. Don't stare. It works for me, so don't stare at me. <laughs> <laughs> like, what, what are you? What exactly are you? Um, and honor the pronoun. If they tell you what to use, use it. Um, and if you can't switch right away, if it's somebody you've known forever, I had a friend change his name at age 45 who I'd known since I was 16. I said, it's going to take a while. I'll try. I'll do my best. But I might slip. Um, I told you about the state, the birth certificate bill. Um, I don't know exactly what we can do about that now. It might be dead dead. So I'm checking into that also. Um, federally, Title Seven and Nine are non-discrimination titles, and they have the guidelines for the hospitals, and that they have to serve trans issues and clients. I can't even imagine what it was like before that. You're trans, we can't handle you, go away. And there was an issue of a Pakistani trans woman who died because the doctors didn't know what to do with her this past year. They did not know what to do with her, nobody knew how to treat her, or what to do, and so while she was waiting for them to make a decision, she died. Um, and in employment, look at your place of work, don't make any assumptions. So what are the policies overt and covert at your workplace? Like I said, so I didn't make an assumption, they said we're gonna have male and female wings of the adolescents, and I said, where are you gonna put the trans kids? And now I'm gonna, try and find out what the rules are and the regulations in the state and then advocate that the kids be put where they're supposed to be and that their names are written the way they're supposed to be written <clears throat> on their doors. Um, anybody think of any other examples? Things we can do? Of, of, yeah, things we can do or like what might happen at work. Like here we have men and women's bathrooms. There's, there's a non-gendered bathroom in the basement. <laughs> there is. Yes. We should, we should dedicate it. We should put a trans okay. Okay. symbol. Did on I the just door. say back No, it's a kids' bath. I think it's a, I think it's just a kids' bathroom. I don't think it's a gendered bathroom. So, yeah. um, how about being ambassadors? Yeah, we, you know? we can do the educating. Yeah, since it, you know, as. Through this conversation, what what has come out from what you said is that you know it's hard for them for trans people to be doing the educating all the time. So maybe we should educate ourselves, and we should do some of the educating yeah. as well. Well, that's what being an ally would be. Yes, for being an ally. Okay, so this next two slides are really obnoxious. So this is a list of Congress members who are still part of Congress and voted against the Matthew Shepard and James Byrd Jr. Hate Crimes Prevention Act on a federal level through the closure vote for the amendment to the defense spending bill in the Senate and when the act was voted on by itself in the House. 
see all the R's there? Yeah, there's a lot of R's. They're all R's. They're all R's. And this is just the Senate, so the next one is even worse. The next page is horrible. <laughs> this is the Senate. And again, yeah, I don't see any of these off the top. Minnesota, Peterson, Joe Donnelly. So there are a few. He's now a U.S. senator, so I guess he should be on the other page. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of representatives working against us, working against bills that would protect people from discrimination and, and acts of hate, like Matthew Shepard suffered. I need to explain who Matthew Shepard is to anyone. Everyone knows who Matthew Shepard is. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And then. It just. But God says that they're committing a sin. <laughs> my church tells me that. My pastor tells me that. My rabbi tells me that. Whatever. And they, you know, they're my authorities. I mean, it also goes along with the line of some people that it's like, if you don't accept Jesus into your life, you'll go to hell. It's the same kind of thing. It's about the relationship of authority. I think it's about a, a relationship to authority. And, you know. Yeah. So I don't know how to, I don't know how to get beyond Education. Education? You just keep with, well, all, all the stuff that Rabbi Ben found that's in the Torah. Uh -huh. Jesus didn't say anything about homosexuality and nothing about transgender, for sure. Right. But my pastor sure did. And Your pastors are human. My rabbi doesn't. My right. old pastor didn't. So my pastor versus your pastor. We'll get him in the mud and, yeah, <laughs> ring a bell. I mean, I think it's really hard to change people's minds unless they have, like, a direct personal experience. Yeah. Like, their son or daughter is transgender, or their son or daughter is gay, or, you know, I mean, that's sort of... And then also just it becoming more um, public. It's like in the last 20 years, you know, if you watch TV, there are gay couples. Like, it, it, it's become normalized. Like, so even if you don't know any gay people, if you watch television, you do know gay people. It's like if you watch Ellen, right. you know a gay person. And so then it becomes more, it's like, oh, like she's just like me. Like right. she likes to sing and dance. Like, but you know, 20 years ago, that wasn't, it, because it was so other, you know? And so I think with transgender, with transgender rights, like that's like the next, the next step, you know? It's like, Caitlyn Jenner has done so much for transgender visibility. Like, I know there's a show on TLC called I Am Jazz, which is like a... Right, a teenager. Yeah, and so, I mean, you, you know, you have people, like, who live very isolated lives, like, watching these shows and being like, oh, okay, like, you know... Orange is a new black. Transparent. Transparent. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's just sort of how... And I think it's just transgender people being out, you know, and, and visible, um, and just folks having, like, interactions with them that are positive and being like, oh, okay, like, because it's other, it's scary, like, that's, that's, no, I mean, it's normal for that, like, that's how we've probably survived all these right. years being afraid of things, like, you know? Right. Like, and if there's something, like, environmental about it, probably, like, you don't want to just accept everything, you probably right. should be cautious about Biological. things. Biologically. Biologically, yeah, like, you know, oh, if 
there's a CEO, right. or like, or there's a And that's why we categorize, that's why our brands go right to categorization. And I just saw something that, something you said, I can't remember what, but just sparked in my mind. In, in uh, England, what they're doing is wearing safety pins. And it's a signal to say, I'll walk with you, I'll go to the bathroom with you, I will, I'm an ally, you're safe, here's my mm -hmm. safety pin. Mm. I thought that was interesting. Interesting thing. And I think with, with kids, like high school, you know, like when I went to high school, there were maybe a handful of kids that were out. I'm sure when my parents went to high school, there was no one that was out. Now, I think in, in most parts of the country, kids have much, um, you know, the, their views towards homosexuality are a lot more liberal than ours. Like it's just right. over time it's evolved. And that's a whole nother discussion because I think like, like with Please Don't Eat the Daisies, I think it was there, I just watched Oklahoma and there was clearly a character who was, well it was written by a gay man. It, there was clearly a character that was supposed to be a lesbian um, who's in it, um, who's in the background just there not out, but just there mm -hmm. and noticeable. So I think that it was there, it just wasn't spoken about. Um, one of the things my mom, who um, was born in 1923, said to me was, I don't know why the gays have to ask for special rights and everything. They were just fine. Everybody was fine. We knew they, who they were, and we didn't have to talk about it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> mom. You didn't know who they were. That's part of the problem. Well, and there were, I mean, I grew up with gay people in my life. Um, and I knew who they were. Um, and they were just, well, interestingly, I knew who the men were. The women? If you just, I was going to say, if you just didn't make it so hard for them to know each other. Right. It was the women were the, the, the two women who live in the house up the street. They're, um, they were cousins or sisters or, you know, something like that. I think, I think your point, though, Adele, is, is interesting. That I think that there are gradations of fundamentalism. I, I, you know, I, there are even people today, obviously, who are still really anti-gay, yeah. right? And, and they base that on religion. But there are people who were maybe you know, tending that way who are now not that way anymore. Yeah. And, and so I think, I think that's the process. I mean, we might never get the most fundamentalist yeah. of the most fundamentalist I, I don't think to change. <laughs> yeah, no. You know, I mean, we're, we're not no. going to get, we're not gonna get the, the, the Taliban to stop right. you know, <laughs> making women go to yeah. school, not go to school. You know, we're not going to stop that. But we can transition people who are like somewhere in the middle. Right. Increase their understanding and increase the amount of allies that are out there. Next slide. We're almost done. We're almost to the good part. If not for me, if I am not for me, who is for me? And if I am only for myself, what am I? And if not now, when? Because I love how well. And then this, can, do you think it'll work? Uh, let's it's see. this awesome slam poet that Rabbi Ben found. And then there's some references. but. And then the references at the end. And if you want more information, I have a sign up, a very optimistic sign up sheet, two pages worth of places <laughs> for people to fill out their names. I'll just get it this way. Okay. So if you want more information, the clipboard's over there. I was gonna see if there are any people over here who have questions. Is there anybody here who has questions? 
Is anybody they actually listening on that? Yeah, there's four people. Oh, really? More. Oh, can barely hear us even with the volume cracked up. Okay, so does anybody have any questions or want to add anything? I think you can type in the text messages or the... Um, this is so surreal. Here, hi. If I type down here, you should be able to... Hi. There. You should be able to oh, and, add uh, questions. Uh, and by the way, uh, Rachel Can is coming to Kala, and we're going to bring her to Har Shalom, this woman, this poet woman. Um, so... Hopefully this will be loud. Hopefully enough. you guys can see this and it's loud enough. Outsider, outcast, Wait. and out. I'm calling for. Is that not too loud enough? Outsider, outcast, and outlier. This one's going out to the freaks and the weirdos. The end of the bell curve dwellers. The ones who go long. I'm talking to you. This is a drawing. Just stuck. So maybe let's skip the video. Yeah. So that's Rachel Khan. Can. Can. K a n n. Yeah. K a n n. And it's called out. I think it's called out. Yeah. Out. And her first name is Rachel. There you go. All right. Did you get any questions or no? I. If anybody's typing, I can't see it. Oh, I do see Stephen could barely hear us. He joined. He could barely hear us. <laughs> Hi. Too bad um, we didn't have somebody minding that. Yet. Anybody want to add something? Um, Tell them that the audio will be available uh, yeah. online. <laughs> hopefully. If you actually want to hear it later. If you want to hear it later, hopefully I can do something and make it better online later. Um, and I will send my slides to anybody who would like to have them. If you want them, just uh, send me a, a private message on Facebook. I'm not seeing any questions. Let me get the packets I want to hand out to everybody. You can take and then Rabbi Ben's going to hand out packets. And then um, unless you guys really, really want to say, oh, it says the connection is weak. Maybe that's the problem. Um, unless you guys have any questions, I'm going to go ahead and say goodbye to you guys. Yeah. Thanks for joining. Sorry about the sound. So these are some of the texts we discussed, the, the stuff about Adam and Eve being, and Androgynous, or Adam being Androgynous, and then Abraham and Sarah, Text. And then at the end, I also put a text study from Mishnah Bikurim 4, page 11, uh, which you can read, and, and it's some of the legal matters about how you treat uh, and, and the androgynous legally in terms of halacha. And this is just one example of like hundreds of references and discussion about the androgynous. So, Wendy, it looks like you just added in, and I have the slides if you want them, and you can just um, private message me. There's Rabbi Ben. <laughs>
And I'm going to turn this off. Oops. And did it a little faster than well, I wanted. Thank to. you guys for coming. Thanks. So what was this Rachel? Rachel Can is a poet. Uh, and it was kind of an inspirational poem Like the definitions here? When you were, when you had the slide from the um, Transgender Advocacy Center. Yeah. I feel like it was different. Like, it's like, I think it was like a transgender man wants to use a male restroom. But if it's male to female... Wouldn't they? Wouldn't it be? Yeah, they, would that be female to male? Like, wouldn't? Oh, wouldn't this is backwards. Yeah, that's what so I'm saying. So male to female is a transgender woman. Yeah, I can make that's, I, like when I when it first came up, I was like, I don't think that's. I think that's the opposite. They have the definitions are backwards on here. Yeah. You know, are, are, you, are you talking about the transgender man, transgender? MTF. Yeah, like yeah, the definition. Transgender woman. Yeah. yeah. We just copied and pasted that. So a, a transgender woman is male to female is a transgender woman. Wherever they're headed is who they are. <laughs> oh, sure, now you show up. I'm sorry, I I recorded it, it's on Facebook. Okay. I did a live and I have slides and Rabbi Ben just handed out some other stuff. So if you want slides. if they wanted. Apparently the sound was bad, but we tried. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. It, it, you know, I kind of in, in my spiritual orientation 